Hi, I'm Kate Boyle, and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi everyone, I'm Kate Boyle and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Now, this week on the show, we are talking about stress resilience and in particular, how can we improve our stress resilience so we can live a really happy and full life. Now, before we dive into this topic this week, I wanted to let you know that I'm super excited to be part of the Joy Reclaimed Summit. Now, the Joy Reclaimed Summit is kicking off on Monday, the 2nd of October, but you can sign up. It's totally free from Friday, the 15th of September, and I'll pop the link in the show notes. Now, this summit has 26 remarkable women, you know, who are experts in their field, sharing really valuable information on health and lifestyle perimenopause and menopause, communications, financial issues and uh, security, as well as sex life and more sensual areas as well. So if you are interested in improving your health and your life, then definitely sign up for the summit and grab that link in the show notes. Okay, so let's dive in. This week, we are talking about stress resilience. So before we talk about that, what is stress? Now, stress is any change that can be, you know, placed on the body that may be physical, emotional, or mental, and it causes some type of strain. So some of the things we might feel when we are stressed, we may feel our heart rate go up, we may start to sweat, we may feel a little bit muddled that we can't think clearly, we may find that we get a bit clammy. So our body communicates us to us in different ways when we are feeling stress. Now, the hard thing that happens with stress is sometimes stress can be, you know, a big major event. Maybe, you know, you may lose a loved one, heaven forbid, um, or, you know, maybe you're suffering from a chronic illness. So it may be a big event or it can be just lots of small things, running late for an appointment, having an argument with your child, you know, um, thinking that you have to do 50,000 things, you know, but you didn't get to tick everything off your list. All of these tiny things can add up over time and place stress on the body but accumulative stress. Now, the main hormone we need to talk about with stress is cortisol. Now, our body produces cortisol and we need to produce cortisol because cortisol can be really beneficial. It's necessary for our circadian rhythm, our sleep-wake cycle, as well as our immunity and our metabolism and so much more. Now, the problem is when cortisol gets too high and we have these high levels of cortisol for a long period of time, you know, and that's, as I said, again, it could be a major stressful situation. It could be financial stress, you know, that you're having to endure, or it could be just lots of things adding up. This is when it can completely, you know, really deplete our adrenals. And when that happens, we may have lower progesterone. Now we know progesterone is one of our sex hormones. So estrogen and progesterone, we need to have a really nice balance of them to be having a healthy cycle and to stop, you know, the effects that we may get from, you know, perimenopause and menopause, like things like, you know, sore breaths or night sweats, um, insomnia, all these types of things can be affected. 
also too high levels of cortisol will affect our blood sugar levels and they may fluctuate a lot more than usual, which means you'll get high peaks and then big lows, which then cause more sugar cravings, which we want to avoid. Um, it can also affect our liver function, deplete our energy, um, help, you know, stop us from falling asleep and staying asleep. The big one as women enter perimenopause and menopause is weight gain. That's another thing that, you know, high cortisol levels can contribute to. Um, depression, irregular cycles, gut issues, anxiety, and so much more. So you can see how the effects of cortisol over time can really affect our health. Now, the question is then, how do we maintain healthy cortisol levels? Because we need it, you know, for our immunity and our digestion and our circadian rhythm. But how do we maintain it so it doesn't get out of control? Well, the first thing to do is to identify the stresses that are in our life. And I think a great exercise is to sit down, you know, and just write out things that may be stressing you out right now. And then also things that may be regular stresses. That could be, you know, every time you wake up in the morning, you're running late to get the kids to school. So how can we address that stress? Could we get up a little bit earlier? Could we pack lunches the night before? Could we have a pre-made breakfast ready to go like overnight oats? So identifying the stresses is the first thing to do because once we know what they are, some of them we may be able to manage and change and others, you know, if you are going through a grieving process or you're dealing with a chronic illness, they may be a little bit harder to control, but at least we know we can, you know, instill healthy habits or routines that may help us in that way. So some of the things that we need to look at of where the stress may be coming from, it may be physical, emotional, dietary. So that's an area that people often forget. But if we are eating foods that really are not sitting well with our digestive system, maybe we have a full-blown allergy, maybe we just have an intolerance, that's another form of stress on the body. Um, infections and diseases. Maybe you're constantly getting a cold, you know, you're picking up everything that's going around or your kids are picking up everything that's going around. You know, these again are stresses on the body. And then finally, past traumas as well. So not everybody will experience this, but you know, you may have physical, emotional or mental, you know, issues with happening with past traumas that maybe at the time you were unable to work through. So again, you know, doing some work with those past traumas, working with a professional can be really beneficial for help lowering cortisol levels and that stress on the body. We can also start to introduce some, you know, really simple techniques to help calm down our nervous system. So I know you guys have heard me talk about it before, but cortisol is present when we go into our fight or flight state. So when we're in our sympathetic state, or our sympathetic nervous system. The blood flow gets diverted from our digestion to our limbs because our body is getting ready to either fight or run and flee or potentially freeze, okay? It means the blood flow is diverted away from our sexual organs because that's not important if we're trying to save our life. We really just need to be able to run, you know, 
or or freeze and hide so that we can protect ourselves. So when we're in this state and we have those high cortisol levels, this is when, you know, constantly over time, it's sort of wearing away at our body. So we need to try to drop back into what we call the parasympathetic state or the rest and digest state. And this is when we're nice and relaxed, you know, we can digest our food really well. Our body doesn't think there's a threat around. So if we want to reproduce, we can, which means all our uh, sex hormones are functioning really well. We don't get any of those sort of horrible perimenopause and menopause symptoms or just, you know, um, PMS symptoms that can sometimes crop up. And we're in a really nice, relaxed state. Now, the trick is with our busy lives, how do we keep dropping back into these parasympathetic states? Because we are going to have stress. Stress is a natural part of life. And also stress can actually be good on the body when it's small amounts of stress. So things like exercise, that is a form of stress on the body, but that helps us to build bone mass and muscle mass and cardiovascular heart health. So you can see how some stress can be good, but then too much stress can be bad. So how do we keep dropping back into our parasympathetic state, that rest and digest state, so that we don't get those high cortisol levels that cause all of these things to start occurring? Well, a few really basic things that you can add in are things like breath work. So we've talked about that on the podcast before, doing a nice, you know, slow inhale for about five counts and then a slow exhale, trying to extend that exhale from anywhere between five and eight counts and repeating that cycle sort of five to 10 times. So just one to two minutes, adding that in a few times a day can really make a huge difference in reducing those cortisol levels and dropping you back into that rest and digest state. There's been lots of studies to show that spending some time in nature can really help as well. And the nature doesn't need to be, you know, a big forest, you know, or a national park. It can literally just be some grass and trees. So that can be going into your backyard or if you have some, you know, a park near you or some green belts, you know, going through your estate, you can just go for a walk, you know, see the trees, see the birds, see some nature, and that will help you too. We also know there are things like meditation, you know, really tried and true practice. You know, you can spend as little as just a few minutes meditating right through to, you know, people do multiple day retreats meditating, but start small with meditation and just build on it. And if your thoughts wander, then know that that's totally normal. You don't need to be perfect when it comes to meditation. Just giving it a go and quieting your mind and staying in the present is really the point. Uh, Yoga. Pilates. So Pilates, I love as a form of meditation because we really have to drop into our body, focus on our breathing, focus on being present so that we can feel that connection and that spatial awareness that we're moving. So Pilates is also a really great way to help lower our cortisol levels. And another reason why I'm a huge fan of it, and it's fantastic for women that are either having issues with their periods or entering perimenopause and menopause, where we may find our cortisol levels increasing. Uh, journaling, you know, practicing gratitude. These small practices you can do at home, you know, just for a few minutes a day, and they can make a huge difference in lowering our cortisol levels. Now, the more that we can build out these practices into our everyday life and create these habits, the more stress resilience we're going to have. 
Now, stress resilience is referring to our body's ability to deal with stress. So if we have a healthy body that, you know, does Pilates, eats, you know, really well, hydrates well, gets a good night's sleep, you know, does all those sort of healthy things. When we are placed or stress is placed upon us, our body is going to be better able to deal with that stress. It's not going to affect our sleep nearly as much because we've built up that resilience in our body. It's also not going to, you know, cause us to become as sick as easily. So our immunity is going to be there or affect our digestion and absorption of nutrients. So the healthier you are, the less stress affects your body. But if you are not dialing in all your healthy practices, maybe you stay up too late, you know, drink too much alcohol, have a bit too much sugar in your diet, don't move the body very much, all of these things will contribute so that when you do face stress, it's going to be much harder to deal with and it's going to affect you much more. And it can be in various ways. As we said, you may develop a gut issue. You may find that you just have no energy. You may end up developing an autoimmune disease. Uh, You may find that you have real issues in sleeping, weight gain. So there's all these things that we can do to help build these stress resilience and to help really keep our bodies nice and healthy so that when we do have to deal with this stress that's placed upon us, we can do it really well. And remembering too that Life isn't perfect and our stress response is never perfect. And sometimes you will get a bit run down. But if you can dial in these practices when you are feeling that way, then you'll find it doesn't affect you as much. So moving on and speaking about nutrition and the stresses that nutrition can cause. So if we have, you know, gut issues, a gut dysbiosis, if we have food allergies or intolerances, then that can play, you know, a lot of havoc on the gut. Also, fasting is another form of stress on the body. So recently, fasting has become really popular and it is a great way to, you know, if you're wanting to lose weight or really dial in your health, fasting can be fantastic, but it's not for everyone. So remember, as always, you really need an individualized approach. Speak to your health practitioner and make sure it's right for you. Because when we are fasting, we are putting stress on the body. We're not giving our body nutrients. So that means the body has to work harder without getting that fuel. And women, especially when we are still menstruating, when we are leading up to our period or we have our period, then that's the sort of time of the month that we want to not fast, you know, because we've already got this stress happening with our body, with our, you know, menstruation happening. So this may be the part of the month that you would give up your fasting if you are fasting. But definitely keep it in mind. Also, some people try fasting and they find that they don't feel very good doing it. Maybe they get really irritable. They find they don't have enough energy. They get mood swings. So working out what's right for you, as always, is really important. Now, if we are being mindful of our nutrition and, you know, maybe we've been doing our restricted, you know, fasting and, you know, it's been working really well and we're wanting to help lower our cortisol levels, you know, and really find a balance. Some of the things we can focus on is making sure that we're getting enough B vitamins. So especially vitamin B5 and B6. Now, these come from meat, liver, you know seafood, poultry eggs, dairy products, and leafy greens. 
We also want to make sure that we're getting adequate amount of vitamin C. So we know vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant, okay, helps with our immunity and so much more, but we can get our vitamin C from citrus, which is the most common form that people hear, but we can actually get more vitamin C from strawberries, green leafy vegetables, other great sources are acerola cherries. They're one of the highest, you know, foods for vitamin C as well as camu camu berries, kiwi fruits, tomatoes, it's in lots of things. So if we can first and foremost get it from our diet rather than relying on a supplement, then that's where we want to start. Magnesium. So this is often called the anti-stress mineral, but it's often one that we're very depleted in because with our soils nowadays, they have less magnesium in them just from the years of, you know, sprays and um, weed killers and things that have used. But also the more stress we have on in the body or happening in the body, the higher our cortisol levels get and the more depleted our magnesium gets. So our body will burn through the magnesium. So we really want to make sure we're getting enough in our diet. Some great sources are our dark leafy greens, dark chocolate, can't argue with that, avocados, nuts and seeds. And then again, you can supplement with magnesium. So whether or not you get a magnesium powder or a capsule or myself, I love the magnesium oil that I can you know, rub on and absorb directly through my skin. These are another great way to really help boost your magnesium too. Some other things we can do is reduce our caffeine. Now, caffeine induces the anti the adrenal cortisol cells to produce more cortisol, as well as more epinephrine and norepinephrine and insulin. So although caffeine, you know, gives us a buzz and feels like it gives us more energy, it's actually producing or getting ourselves to produce more cortisol. So if we are struggling with our cortisol levels and we know they're too high, then definitely look to eliminate caffeine from your diet. And if you're like, oh, I'm just not sure, making sure that you do stop drinking caffeine by 12 p.m. so that it doesn't interrupt your sleep. Then finally, just considering some herbal support. So, you know, in the forms of teas like chamomile or lemon balm or other herbs like ashwagandha, radiola and panax ginseng. So again, speak to your doctor, speak to your health practitioner, but you know, even if you're just adding in some chamomile or lemon balm tea, it can be another way to help reduce cortisol levels in the body. And then finally, touching on diet, we want to include as many cruciferous vegetables as we can. So these bitter foods like, you know, cauliflower and broccoli, you know, these types of cruciferous veggies are going to be fantastic. They're a detoxifier, so they help to lower estrogen levels, but they also help with our gut health and our liver function. And then choosing bitter foods like dandelion and licorice root to help promote the detox pathways and support liver function can be fantastic as well. So lots of different options there in our diet to help really dial in our gut health and reduce cortisol levels or the effects of cortisol levels. Now, some signs that you may experience, you know, if you're sort of listening to this going, oh, that sounds good, but I'm not sure if I have high cortisol levels. There's a few sort of things that will crop up in the body. So if you find that you're carrying a lot of weight around the middle of your body, 
that you just can't budge or shift, then this can be a sign of high cortisol levels. And they can also affect your thyroid function. So again, if you're having thyroid issues, it may be another sign that the cortisol levels are too high. If you have problems falling asleep at night and then also staying asleep or having that sort of you're really tired but you're wired and you really just struggle to fall asleep, that can be another indicator too. Um, as we said before, if you have gut issues, so high cortisol contributes to intestinal permeability. So it helps create what's known as leaky gut, which is not a good thing. It throws off the balance between the beneficial and the harmful bacteria. So the harmful bacteria tends to grow more. And studies show that most people that suffer from IBS have high cortisol levels. So if you are struggling with, you know, gut issues or IBS or anything similar, then definitely, you know, think about some of the practices you can do to help lower your cortisol levels. Uh, sugar cravings. So this is another one. High cortisol, as we know, as I said sort of before, it can help contribute to fluctuation in your blood sugar levels, which will cause you to crave sugary foods. So this may contribute to insulin resistance and then increase your risk of developing type 2 diabetes. So if you get really bad sugar cravings or you get mood swings, you know, and dips and lows in energy, or if you know that you're eating a little bit too much sugar or you've had recent blood tests and you know you're in that sort of pre-diabetes bracket or diabetes bracket then definitely look at lowering your cortisol levels because it really will help you know and then finally if you were getting sick more often many years ago in my 20s when i was over exercising and under eating i was getting sick all the time. I would pick up everything going around. And when I did get sick, I got really sick. So, you know, the average sort of coldy flu thing would knock me out for a couple of weeks and take me so long to recover from. And then I'd finally recover and I'd literally pick up something else again. So if you find that you just get sick more often or when you do get sick, you really just can't kick it, then definitely, you know, think about your cortisol levels because stress decreases our lymphocyte levels, which are our white blood cells that fight infections. So lower levels mean an increase risk of illness and then repeated illness too. So even if, you know, it's one of your kids that's constantly getting sick over and over, then definitely look at some of these ways that you can help to just reduce cortisol, which is going to be beneficial on the body anyway. So how can we lower cortisol? We've gone through all these different, you know, signs of if we have high cortisol. We've talked about how we can lower cortisol with diet and then also you know some practices like pilates and yoga and breath work meditation getting out in nature but there are some other things that we can do as well one of the things i love to do is just to establish a regular sleep wake cycle so that means trying to go to bed at about the same time every night and trying to get up at about the same time each morning now this may fluctuate you know within half an hour or so you know sometimes on the weekend people like to sleep in a little bit more but you'll find once you get into this wake cycle your body will tell you you'll start to get tired at about the same time every night which is me and you'll start to wake up at about the same time 
every morning, okay? And this can just be another form of regulation that's really good to communicate to your body to, you know, produce melatonin when it needs to, to help you fall asleep at night, to produce the cortisol to help you wake up and keep it in a better balance. So that can be really helpful. Um, Exposing our eyes to natural sunlight first thing in the morning. So I'm a really big fan of this, you know, whether or not you can get out into your backyard or get up and go for a walk, just getting 10 minutes of sunlight and it doesn't have to be a bright sun, you know, even if it's an overcast morning, it's just really getting that light from the sky into your eyes. So again, you can do it even if it's overcast and raining, it's really just getting that, you know, visible light from the atmosphere into our eyes. And then in the evening, wearing blue light blocking glasses or dimming lights, you know, you can go to the next level and swap your light bulbs over for red lights. Okay. This just helps to produce your body to signal to your body to produce melatonin to help it make it easier to go to sleep. Um, eating a nutrient-dense breakfast. So first thing in the morning, you know, you can get up and do your thing, get your, your morning light, move your body, and then really think of that first meal of the day. It's called breakfast because it's breaking the fast. So we want to fuel our body really well with a good balance of protein, complex carbs, and fats. So, you know, eggs and avocado with some tomatoes and mushrooms, you know, you can cook all that up. Or if you want to go on the other side, it could be something like, you know, a chia pudding made with coconut milk and some berries um, and some nuts and seeds. So just getting that good balance that's really going to fuel us well and give us the energy to get through our morning. Um, Moving our body without overstressing it. So this is another big one. You know, so many of us love our cardio and we love to go hard in our cardio, but as we get older, our body changes. And so, you know, especially as we start to hit our mid thirties and start to go through perimenopause and then menopause, these high stress cardio, you know, high intensity cardio workouts may not be amazing for our bodies anymore and may induce higher cortisol levels. So, lifting weights. You guys know how much of a fan I am of building muscle. So really building that muscle up, whether or not you're lifting weights, working with resistance bands, spring tension in Pilates, you know, doing movement like Pilates where we're connecting to our breath and being present, you know, yoga, walking. Walking is another big one. It's fantastic for your mind because again, you're usually getting out into nature, you're taking time out, you're being present, and then it works so many muscles in the body. And it's a functional thing we need to be doing, you know, all the time, every day. So really great to be adding that in as well. Uh, including fiber and pre and probiotic foods. So we know fiber is super important to help us stay regular. That is going to help push all the toxins out of our body, detox our body. And if we're not doing that regularly because we're not getting enough fiber, then we're going to become constipated. This can contribute to things like hemorrhoids and prolapses if we're straining or, you know, so definitely really include lots of high fiber foods into your diet, like vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds and beans, all these whole foods that are fantastic for us. Um, 
exposure to cold. So you guys have probably seen that, you know, cold plunges and that have become really popular recently. But our vagus nerve, you know, the biggest stimulation we can get is through our face. So you can stand in your shower, you know, ideally for one to two minutes, cold water. And even if you just angle it to your face, you will get that cold exposure benefit to really stimulate the vagus nerve and help lower cortisol levels. You can also, if you just want to fill up, uh, you know, a little tub with some water and stick some ice in, you can just pop your face into it as well. Obviously, practicing your breathing with your bubbles while you're in it. But getting that cold exposure, whether or not it's a cold plunge or a cold shower, can be really great for our cellular turnover and our longevity. So another great thing to add in. Um, Getting out in nature, we spoke about before scheduling in some downtime or some self-care time. So if we are constantly on the go, you know, our brains are firing, our body is having to go, then we're going to be in that fight or flight state constantly, which wears down our adrenals and can contribute to developing, you know, autoimmune conditions. So we need to support our body. We need to take time out for our brain and our body whether or not that's reading a book or, as we said before, journaling, meditation, you know, taking some time out for you every single day is really important for your stress levels, your cortisol levels, and your overall health. Um, reducing our exposure to toxins. So we know that toxins, and they can be lots of different things. They could be household, you know, cleaning products to the flame retardants that's in our couches and our mattresses to the chemicals that are in the skincare products we put on our bodies or makeup on our faces or shampoo and conditioner on our hair. There are lots of chemicals in our everyday products, and we want to try to reduce them as much as we can. These products can obviously produce or contribute to elevated cortisol levels, but they can also increase estrogen levels and disrupt our hormones too. So, you know, really big thing, get rid of those chemicals where you can, you know, cut them out slowly as you finish one product, you know, buy a chemical-free product where you can. And I've spoken about it before, but there's a really good app called Chemical Maze if you're in Australia, and there'll be similar ones overseas where you can just plug in the product or plug in the number to check out, you know, if there's a number on the back of a packet you're not sure of, and it'll tell you whether or not it's safe. So, you know, going back to you know, simple things, you know, cleaning your house with, you know, using baking soda and vinegar and all of those types of things is much better. And there are more products out there now, much easier to find makeup and body products that are chemical free too. So start doing those swaps where you can, and that will really help your health. Um, connect with your community. So hugging, okay. Hugging for 10 seconds, um, you know, helps to produce oxytocin and that is going to help lower our cortisol levels. So don't underestimate physical touch, you know, like hugging, but also just reaching out to your friends, having regular conversations, catch-ups and that type of thing can really be helpful too. And where possible, you want to try to limit triggers. So if there are people or situations that really tend to stress you out or put you on edge, you know, create some boundaries around them, you know, try to limit your exposure to them where you can. I know it's not always possible, but you know, maybe that's just reducing the amount of time that you see these people or you don't go to these places that may, you know, 
stimulate past memories or, you know, just not good feelings or make you feel stressed out, where you can start to place some boundaries around these things. And then finally, cutting out alcohol and caffeine. So you guys have heard me talk about it before, but alcohol especially, there are zero benefits, you know, for our body from alcohol. Yes, it might feel like it relaxes you, but it does disrupt your sleep. It makes your liver work a lot harder. It's really interesting. They've done a lot of the blood glucose tests. So if you have alcohol, it will actually cause your blood glucose levels to go down. And that's because your liver, rather than processing sugars, it is processing the alcohol. Now, people would think, oh, that means it's good because it's making my blood sugar levels go down, but it's not. It's making your blood sugar levels go down so low, then that's why you get the craving for a sugar hit because your body goes, oh, my blood sugar levels are low. You know, I'm depleted in energy. I need an energy hit. And you get this craving for a high sugar food to try to push those blood sugar levels back up more quickly. So really interesting science around that, that, you know, it's quite common that people, you know, if you have a night out and you have quite a few drinks, that you'll get these cravings for, you know, sugary and fatty foods. And that's your body going, okay, you need to give me some sugar because I've been prioritizing digesting your alcohol and I haven't been producing the sugars that would keep our blood sugar levels stable. So, you know, eliminating alcohol when we can, and again, it's going to help lower our cortisol levels and leave us better off. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and, you know, just think about our cortisol levels where you can and building in some of these simple practices to help build your stress resilience so that when something stressful does come up, you can definitely face it, you know, with much more calmly, but also have all these tools so it doesn't affect you as much and especially long term. And finally, you know, definitely if you haven't checked out the Joy Reclaim Summit, sign up for that. You know, that will open up, the signups open up on the 15th of September. It's totally free and with 26 female guest experts sharing their expertise, it's going to be a fantastic summit on women's health and wellness. All right, I'll link that all up in the show notes. Have a fantastic week, everybody, and I'll see you again next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.